Welcome to this podcast produced by Imagine, an online source focusing on early childhood music therapy. Imagine is sponsored by the American Music Therapy Association and can be found on the web at www.imagine.musictherapy.biz. This podcast is entitled Music Therapy at a New York City Family Shelter, Old MacDonald is My Best Friend and presented by Betsy Plachley Chapin. Betsy lives in New York City and works part-time as music therapist in a family shelter in the Bronx. In addition to her private practice with children, she works at Bank Street School for Children and Family Center. Nothing could be further from my music therapy training than the process I went through establishing myself as a music therapist at the family shelter called Lucy Graham House in the Bronx, New York. This name and all the others has been changed. I've worked at this homeless shelter for three years every Monday. Currently this year it is every other Monday after budget cuts. Let me orient you to my setting. There are 20 apartments for families, offices, and two child care rooms, one for infants and toddlers, the other for threes and fours. The school-aged children attend the local public school. The designated meeting area where we have music has a rug, shelves with manipulatives, books, and a rocking chair surrounded with classical schoolroom decorations that include the artwork of the children. Close by, there are four small Remo drums, one enormous gathering drum, and a tray of percussion instruments. I have brought in a guitar, a ukulele, and an auto harp. The children are generally resilient, prepared to accept the structure of the day the best they can. The teachers adhere to a rigid schedule. Another aspect of my day is to accompany children as they walk to the park. At the park I initiate ball play, sometimes a singing game such as Here Comes Zodiac. This walk to the park is always the same, unless it rains. When it rains, we travel down treacherous stairs to a dismal room near the laundry. The smell of this basement space is always the same. When it isn't official music time, I am still part of the classroom. Lunch, park, downstairs when it rains, story time and rest time, when the teachers are available. Clearly, I am a community music therapist. My clients are the children, the teachers, and the parents. While I am there, I seek connections to an individual or a group. I initiate a conversation here or a joke there. I guess you could say that music is at the tip of the iceberg during my three and a half hours at the family shelter. Usually I cannot process the day until I have come home later. Sometimes it seems that nothing has happened. Sometimes I reflect for days and days. What keeps me centered are my trusty music therapy words, container, holding, joining, establishing a history, playing the room, community music therapy. What I have come to understand is this. Community music therapy is my mission and what I want to write about. Each day as I review my, my therapy notes, I notice that I write about positive observations of children and teachers. If I happen to meet a parent, I extend compliments on their child. I offer a detail or two, such as, Jeremiah was dancing up a storm this morning. Also, I send this information to a monthly staff meeting that I am not able to attend because it falls on a day I do not work at the shelter. 
Here are some examples from my notes. May 3rd. As I enter the toddler room, Justin and Shaquille are at the table playing with large Legos. The teachers, Virginia and Dorothy, sit behind them in larger chairs. Justin sees me and comes in the door and instantly calls out, E-I-E-I-L, looking at me and smiling. Shaquille says, hi, walks up to me and offers me his yellow Lego piece. I know that my work as a music therapist at the shelter is successful because of this response from Justin and Shaquille. They know me and they are glad to see me again. I am positive and excited and happy to see them. I am object constancy, and this is the simplest description of my work. And definitely E-I-E-I-O is also object constancy. Although the children cannot conceptualize two weeks, they do know that Betsy is a lady who comes back and sings E-I-E-I-O and lets them touch her guitar. I also know that these two boys are forming a healthy attachment to me, and when they move into permanent housing, I will never see them again. This is the painful but real part of this job. Later that morning, a new mother and her toddler come into the child care room for my 11 a.m. music with parents and toddlers session. I notice that this new woman has a remarkable fresh face and wears a crocheted cap over her long, thick hair. She is pretty and her eyes are bright. She carries her toddler on her hip. She gently puts him down, resting him on the floor. Immediately I notice he does not stand very solidly. His eyes search the room. The mother tells me she doesn't know anything about music. I say, please come in. We can look at these instruments, you and your son. I sit with my ukulele, a drum, and a basket of maracas. During the following 20 minutes, he spends the first 10 minutes consistently trying to walk towards the door. His mother gently guides him back to the rug. He is clearly not curious about the instruments, although he does accept one into his hand. He listens to its sound without any sign of recognition, of pleasure, or pain. I wonder to myself, is he deaf? The room is starting to feel chaotic. As he persists in walking toward the door, she guides him back. She expresses acceptance of his need to walk toward the door and does not speak words of frustration. After about 15 minutes, he makes his first audible sound from his throat. It is high, but not too high. This sound comes from him because I have shown him two small teddy bears, one orange and one yellow. The mother thinks maybe he does not like the colors. He watches without changing his expression as I have one teddy bear kiss his mommy. We three make a curious therapeutic trio. The mother, the boy, and this therapist have never met anyone like each other before. I note that the mother is extremely patient with her son who wants to leave the room so many times. She does not use harsh words, and she is gentle with his body. She recognizes the emotional potential of a stuffed teddy bear by hugging it. The educational director joins us. The mother tells us that he has not had his medicine yet. I ask about his medicine. She says it is for his thyroid and his asthma. During these disorienting minutes, I am playing a ukulele softly, two chords. I am singing Old MacDonald, Bingo, the Itsy Bitsy Spider. I do this to keep myself organized. I leave the words out and just play the two chords 
Sometimes I narrate what I see, saying his name as often as possible. I have learned that if it seems that nothing is going on, my music is holding us there, even as he tries to leave. I am playing the room. A few minutes later, I ask the mother if she sings with her son. She laughs and says, oh, only one song. Still sitting on the floor, she organizes his body in front of her and holds his shoulders firmly. He looks at her fully as she sings, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. His lips begin to curl into a smile, but I never see his teeth. I am transfixed watching him look at his mother. I think their gazes are connected in a way that have never been experienced before. He produces low sounds from his throat. I perceive a whiff of change. I sigh to myself. This is a container moment in its raw form. When I started this music therapy work at Lucy Graham House, I spent many moments reflecting what kind of music therapist I was being. Certainly I represented music, welcome to the families or not. Our music sharing, so simple and ordinary, offered empowerment. But would I ever know if a parent or teacher felt empowerment? On some Mondays, I came up with a new use of my time. For example, putting together a loose-leaf notebook with songs. On another day, I brought out the auto harp during rest time, playing it simply and then putting it on the teacher's lap. Or I hand my ukulele to the other teacher who was sitting in the rocking chair. I have learned that instant satisfaction on an instrument is required, and hence the ukulele is tuned in fifths and unisons. One concrete step I took with some teachers is to book music dates during rest time. These opportunities for professional development work were made in advance during this morning, yet they often are forgotten by lunchtime when they prefer to prepare their lesson plans. I learned to acquire a laughing and loving way to join with each teacher. I enter into a conversation about my grandson and I ask about their weekend. We talk about singing games from their childhood. I strive to build trust and to model healthy ways of relating. The closest I came to recognizing that the potency of music has transformed the moment was with a small group of parents and children who have come downstairs for music for parents and toddlers. This workshop is never mandatory. However, there is a protocol. The telephone person at the front desk buzzes them in their room as a reminder and the grown-up signs in when they attend. Monday, March 15th. This day, three mothers, two toddlers, and one infant arrive. From the start, I recall a tangible peacefulness. The moms watched their children as they touched the instruments, looked at each other, and smiled. When I spoke about singing, no one demurred or cracked a joke. We sang ABCD and Old MacDonald, one mother chose the cow to sing about on the farm. I asked if any of the mothers recalled a song from her childhood. One remembered a song. When that mother laughed, I noticed her baby looking at her. I said, did you notice that your baby looked right at you? She could not recognize that this short moment was creating a safe place for both mother and child. After I pointed this out to her, the mother gave a smile and a laugh that I will always remember for its freshness and authenticity, I observed out loud. 
Your daughter really likes to hear you laugh. All of this music therapy work has small glimmers of hopefulness, of intimacy, of thoughtfulness, of feelings not felt before. These glimmers are the reality of the work. There is also painfulness in each moment of harshness, blankness, tears, loud laughing, resistance. These occurrences seek to take away the here and now of the music. My only predictability is my authentic self. I accept that I will never know if that mom will sing to her baby. Just last week, one of the teachers questioned me in a whisper. Do you know opera? It turns out that she has a friend who might have a ticket. She was confiding in me about her special love of music. I felt trusted. I will ask her about her friend and the tickets when I return in two weeks. So I have learned to expect nothing and to be surprised. Thank you for listening to this Imagine podcast produced in 2010.